So I wanted to start with this. It's not necessarily my favorite question, and I probably already know the answer, but it's one that everyone seems to want to know and, and you know, want to ask. When, when are things going to start to ease? And the only reason I'm asking, I know Dr. Henry said she's continuing to look at mid to late May, and sort of is that the track that we find ourselves on for even just the smallest of easing of restrictions? Well, I think the answer is yes, but it's going to be um, uh, a process. I've always talked about being 100% all in. We're going to have to continue to be 100% all in. So what will happen in the coming months is not going back to what life was like in December, but it's going to be a new normal uh, in order to for us to return to more of the activities we can do. People are interested. They can go to page 34 of the presentation we gave uh, we could go last Friday. It's on the BCCDC website. And what they'll see is this, that right now we're functioning in terms of our interactions at about 30% of normal, right? Mm-hmm. And what it says is basically we can take that up to about 60% of normal, not 100%, 60% of normal, and maintain a relatively low transmission. But that's a difficult task, you know, when we're telling people very clearly what they should do without nuance, that's an easy task, and people have responded in BC, I think, better than just about anywhere else to the measures we've had to take, and, I'm, and it's really been extraordinary, very difficult, but extraordinary. So we're going to have to uh, try and do more, but stay safe. What does that mean in workplace? It means not working sick. It means washing our hands all the time. It means doing things that we used to do closer at a greater distance. And for some workplaces, that'll be easier to do than others. You know, Premier Legault in Quebec recently announced this week, he said, here's my opening up plan. On May 11th, we're going to um, allow the construction industry to operate again. Well, we never closed the construction industry in BC. We're going to allow large industry to operate again. Well, we never closed large industry in BC. Uh, and But we did ensure that rules were established that those businesses worked with us on to ensure that those workplaces remained safe and that they were not a risk. And that's going to be required of every industry as we go forward. Uh, one of the, one of the questions that uh, you know had been coming up a, a lot uh, when we were first starting to have these daily press briefings, and uh, you know I just haven't heard it as much in in recent uh, history here was uh, just PPE. What what is the state of PPE right now in this province? You know what are supply chains looking like? I know you've touched on it briefly here and there, but uh, I just wonder if I can get a little bit more detail on sort of what the current state of personal protective equipment is right now for our healthcare workers in British Columbia. Oh, so uh, international supply chains are a mess, right? All of our traditional suppliers, we're still getting some supplies from them, but nothing like uh, we were used to getting, and it's very inconsistent. Trying to get supplies, for example, of the United States over the last month or so has been very, very, very difficult. If I had more varies, I'd add those as well. And, uh, and so we've had to seek out new sources of supply, and we've been quite successful in doing two things. One using our existing supply more efficiently, and that's to the great credit of our healthcare workers everywhere in BC. And secondly, we have been able to source new supply. But when you source new supply, you know, it's different than just getting it from your traditional suppliers. We've been getting um, N95 respirators from 3M for a long time, and since we can't get them or not get them in any kind, like anything like the numbers we need, Mm -hmm. we have to seek other supplies. And that means when we get new products, initially we have to run tests on that product, tests on fit, tests on effectiveness. 
And so, for example, since the beginning of April, we've got something just over 3 million N95 respirators, which we have not yet put into service because we're testing them. We're making sure they're good. We're making sure they're right before we put them on our healthcare workers. Then we're going to have to work on with uh, doctors and nurses and healthcare workers so that uh, they work on the fit and that they're properly trained with this PPE. N95 isn't a brand of respirator. It's a type of respirator. So many companies can do it, but we've got to make sure our, our systems are safe. So we've done a pretty good job procuring it, but it's still a very, very challenging situation in the healthcare system. Uh, and we've maintained supplies and adequate supplies sometimes day to day, but uh, we need at some point to move to, obviously, to um, put all of this uh, supply we've bought into service. And uh, that requires testing. And we've been doing that, and it's been going gone actually quite well. And then we got to work with healthcare workers. What, what does that testing look like, just in terms of numbers? I mean, you mentioned three million masks. I assume we're not testing each individual mask on its own. I mean, are, is there a process? Are you testing one out of every thousand? Yeah. Do you know what that looks like? It, the, there's a whole testing process organized by the Provincial Health Services Authority that requires two sets of things. One, testing the effectiveness of mask N95 refers to 95% uh, against things that can come into your mouth, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, against all, all particles that come into your mouth. That's the, N95, that's the 95%. The 95 part refers to 95%. And, um, and so what that requires is a test run on the batches of masks to make sure they're effective. That includes sending masks away because there are some machines that do this quite efficiently and in detail. Um, and uh, and so uh, doing both sets of those things. And then we have to work on the issue of fit, which is very important when you have different masks, right? So mm -hmm. um, there are um, uh, the smaller N95 masks have tended to fit um, some healthcare workers better than most, and those are the ones that have been under the most pressure, the ones that best fit nurses and best fit people with, uh, for want of a better term, smaller faces, right? And so there's an issue around fit as well where you have to work with healthcare workers, but that means testing these masks in detail. So not every mask, but testing each batch of masks and doing sufficient testing to satisfy us that the masks are safe. And that involves testing here in British Columbia, and that has also involved sending, uh, sending masks away to be tested. We're also purchasing testing equipment to make this process more efficient because obviously we're going to be dealing with COVID-19 for some time to come. Um, so with that, I, I said, I guess, you know, is the supply right now sounds like it's probably not, not in dire straits, I guess. I mean, there's obviously concern that's coming with the amount of PPE supply, but it doesn't sound like right in this moment that it's, um, you know, anyone's going to be without at this point in the game. But uh, I guess, is there concern right now that uh, if there was to be a second wave in the fall and we're looking at the supply chains and what's happening there, uh, if there isn't more masks uh, sourced locally, that there could be a, a problem that comes, you know, as we look down the line? Well, I think there, there is a problem now, although I think by bringing all this material over and preparing it, I think we can address that problem. But clearly, um, we're going to have to stockpile equipment um, in a way that hasn't been done in any jurisdiction before. Because if the international market for that equipment can so easily be disrupted, we need some, uh, we need domestic supply. We need supply that won't be interrupted no matter what happens. 
right? even these extraordinary events. And since we're going to be dealing with this for some time to come, uh, what we're doing right now is obviously dealing with the situation right now, but also preparing for the fall. And this relates as well to, to surgeries, for example, because as we plan that, we also have to pl- plan for what um, doing surgeries will be like in our public health care system during influenza season. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID-19 over this next period or into into the future, but we do know that influenza season is coming in November. That always stresses our healthcare system, and so we have to prepare for that. So everything has to be prepared for this moment, but also um, events that are coming. And I think uh, that expectation of a very methodical approach, which is what we're trying to take based on the science, based on the advice of Dr. Henry and the BC Centre for Disease Control and our experts in all these areas, is the right approach. Uh, just following back on the uh, three million masks that you guys had um, uh, procured here earlier in the month, any idea how long it would take to get those to market if they were, you know, deemed acceptable and they passed all the testing? Do you have any idea how long it would take to get those distributed? We're, we're working on that right now. I think the distribution can be done. Uh, the distribution isn't a problem. We have a distribution system now, so it's not a, an issue of distribution. It's ensuring that we work with our workers everywhere and all the different health authorities so that uh, you know what we want right now is for everyone to be prepared, for everyone to know, for everyone to be trained, for everyone to be briefed so that we know, uh, so that there are no surprises. And that's, uh, that's what we're working on right now. So, uh, uh, you know, we feel that that stock of uh, respirators and 95 respirators can be brought into uh, to service, and we're getting there, uh, that we've gone through the testing on a huge majority of them, but that uh, we now have to uh, take the steps required to bring them into force. We haven't had to do that yet. There's also a process that you might have heard of about cleaning um, Mm -hmm. respirators and essentially recycling them for future use, and we are doing that as well. But none of those respirators has been put into use. But it's uh, it's important to be prudent and to, to make those efforts and to continue to work to make sure that those efforts are effective so that that can be done safely. But we, we aren't planning to put those into operation. Rather, we plan to stockpile those okay. just in case we need them in the future. Right. Um, I'll get you out of here on this, Minister. Um, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, when it comes to surgeries and that you have canceled non-essential surgeries, although you often say, you know, non-essential surgeries, those are still essential surgeries that need to take place. Um, and I know you don't have necessarily um, all the data yet about how this is going to start, you know, resuming again, uh, but just sort of when are you planning to deliver that model for how surgeries will start to, to ramp back up? Uh, I know you had talked a little bit about it yesterday, but just sort of when are we going to see more details on that? That work has been done in detail now, and it's, um, you know, what we want to present is um, a thoughtful and comprehensive plan to do that and to do that in a safe way and um, and uh, to prepare for events that could be ahead of us in the fall as well. Just to give you a sense in IHA, because I don't think we've ever given these numbers by health authority, uh, the postponed cases, the postponed surgical cases in interior health are 3,160. We've performed 2,513. When I say we, I mean doctors mm-hmm. and nurses and healthcare workers mm-hmm. have performed 2,513 scheduled and unscheduled uh, surgeries in this period. So scheduled surgeries that are um, more urgent are urgent scheduled surgeries, uh, often cancer surgeries, but other surgeries that can't wait, 
and unscheduled surgeries, which is emergent or emergency surgeries that have to take place within 24 to 48 hours. We've done in IHA 2,513 of those. So that work has been done. And on urgent surgeries, therefore, we're caught up. But there's two issues that that um, we're really concerned with and, and working on. One is that we've done less screening and less diagnostic testing in this period. So there may be urgent surgeries that we're going to have to learn about quickly and perform quickly, and those would obviously be near the top of the list to perform on the one hand. And uh, on the other hand, uh, getting it done in a way, uh, it's reorganizing the system again. I think our surgeons desperately want to get back to work on uh, unscheduled surgeries. I think uh, our specialty teams do, but we have to do it in a safe way. And some of the, this will, will also be linked to how we organize the healthcare system around now around COVID-19. Royal Inland, for example, is a COVID-19 center, as you know, um, but how we organize it around it. So we will be using, we have right now contracts. The public healthcare system has contracts with a number of private clinics. But those, those tend not to be the most urgent surgeries, but, we, but nonetheless, we may be able to perform them. Surgeries, for example, such as cataract surgeries or others, which we can perform safely in a private clinic. Those are all day surgeries, right? So they're not overnight surgeries, by definition, less serious, perhaps less serious uh, implications than others, although all very serious nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all of that is being organized by Michael Marchbank, who's the president of the Fraser Health Authority, who's making a series of recommendations. And uh, it'll take some period once we put out the plan for us to start. But we've been working on this since the moment that we canceled surgeries because we know um, what it means to people. So uh, um, what we want to present is not a partial plan, but a plan. Well, Minister, thank you so much for your time. Always appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad we were able to catch up here. Hey, right on. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. That was BC Health Minister Adrian Dix.